This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 7. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021, and I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by our producer, Matthew Marister. What's going on, man? Hey, dude. <laughs> I'm excited to do this episode with you. In fact, today we are doing a, a continuation of our Rapid Fire series. We can officially call it that now because I think this will be our third one we've done. Uh, so we're doing Rapid Fire with Matthew Marister. It's going to be a good time. Uh, this uh, initiated with Jacob Paulson doing an interview with Brian Eastridge, host of our off-duty, on-duty podcast. And uh, that's where this all kind of started. And now this will be the third time, so we can call it a series, the Rapid Fire series. <laughs> and uh, perhaps we'll do more of these in the future with other non company employed or whatever um, guests. I don't know. Could be fun. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Fact, I'm working on getting another guest that's been on before on another episode coming up and actually might be kind of fun or interesting to do rapid fire with him. <laughs> anyway, guys, welcome to the show. This episode is sponsored and brought to you by two special sponsors. First off, Mountain Man Medical and their new base camp and also the tracker trauma kits. So Mountain Man Medical has just recently released a couple of new trauma kits that are geared more towards the outdoorsy sort of folks, the outdoorsmen, if you will. Uh, Certainly appropriate for hunting season, which we are in the midst of. Uh, So uh, we got the base camp trauma kit, which is probably the most comprehensive kit that Mountain Man Medical has released. Uh, it comes with a ton of life-saving gear, including two North American Rescue cat tourniquets uh, that are readily accessible. They're actually mounted on the outside of this kit in soft molly tourniquet pouches. There is a SWAT T tourniquet in the kit, an Olai's 4-inch pressure bandage from TAC Med Solutions, which is a really fantastic pressure dressing. Uh, four pairs of nitrile gloves, trauma shears, two compact chest seals from Hyphen, um, a mini permanent black marker, rescue blanket, MPA, elastic bandages, quick clot. In fact, two quick clot uh, 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 packages are in, in the uh, base camp kit. Uh, compressed gauze, a bunch of other stuff, a splint too, which this is this is a really key thing to have included in a kit like this that's in, that's geared towards outdoorsmen and women. So uh, you won't definitely want to have something if you sustain some kind of injury. In fact, these are the mount these are the Mountain Man brand branded moldable splints, uh, which are you know very useful. You can if you if you got a, a an ankle injury, a broken bone leg, arm, whatever. There's a variety of ways you can use these these Mountain Man medical uh, splints. Uh, Burn Tech dressing, a bunch of other great stuff, including first aid-related items such as some antibiotic ointment and Tylenol, ibuprofen, that kind of stuff as well. A great comprehensive kit for the most serious outdoorsman or woman. Also, the tracker kit, which is kind of the opposite of that. It's a very compact kit. It's our most compact kit at Mountain Man Medical, uh, which is great to throw in a pocket or have on your belt, but includes a SWAT T tourniquet, gloves, duct tape, a rescue blanket, quick clot, other gauze. And it's just a very simple, compact, uh, but yet very useful and life-saving kit. Guys, check out the base camp and tracker trauma kits at mountainmanmedical.com forward slash outdoors. That'll take you directly to the outdoors product category on the mountainmanmedical.com website. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Range Tech Shot Timer, which you can find at rangetechtimer.com. Matthew, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me, what do you like about the Range Tech Shot Timer? Yeah, the the coolest thing that I like about the Range Tech Shot Timer is I use it. I use um, 
in even in my basic classes i time i put people on timers and i'm i'm constantly writing down scores and stuff and it's so much easier because the scores the times and everything come up on my phone and i can easily you know have somebody writing those down instead of holding the timer so they copy them down and then you go on you know so um i really like the 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 way it it you know um shows you the times and in that that's a huge and it saves it too so which is really cool yeah absolutely uh it's i think it's the only shot timer and shot timer app out there that will do that so that is a powerful feature that i don't think enough people appreciate or even know about uh but definitely is a a big separator in terms of feature set from the range tech shot timer and all the other timers on the market. And don't forget the range tech shot timer is also the biggest value. It's the lowest cost quality shot timer product out there by a good margin. Check it out guys. Rangetechtimer.com. Well, Matthew, we told you, told you like half hour ago, like, (laughs) Hey, this is what we're gonna do, bro. Yeah. Spot. We're going <laughs> to flip things around. You kind of took the interviewer seat last week. Uh, I was in the hot seat on Friday when we did that last uh, episode six. And today you're in the hot seat hmm. with rapid fire questions. The format for this is I have 40 questions. Uh, we're going to do our best to get through them all today. And these 40 questions are on a variety of concealed carry and firearm and training related topics. You're going to have just one minute, 60 seconds, each Mm. question. I'll do my best to keep an eye on the clock. (laughs) So I'll ask you questions and you got to give us very concise answers, which is, I'll tell you, it's hard to do. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've officially scraped rock bottom if you're asking me for, you know, (laughs) high intelligent, low time frame questions, but you know, I'll do my best. (laughs) There, there was some doubt on your part being uh, featured in the rapid fire yeah. series. And I was like, bro, you're the producer of the podcast that <laughs> is in pretty much every other podcast episode, right. you know, on record, uh, like half of them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good for listeners and viewers to hear from you. Sure. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what they think. <laughs> so look, are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to start off with a, one but a doozy one that gets some people fired up nice and i'm sure i know how you'll answer this but i've been surprised before too so nine millimeter or 45 or other for self-defense um yes yeah not nine millimeter that's pretty simple i carry nine millimeter um i think you know uh, when you when you weigh it all out when you put all the factors in um, nine millimeter tends to be the, the, the caliber that hits all those wickets acceptably and, uh, with the least amount of downside. So, yeah, very good. I know it wasn't that many years ago that you were still carrying a 40. Yeah. And we'll get to that probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We will, we will probably touch on that and some other, uh, fun things. Okay. Best concealed carry position in your opinion. Oh, appendix. Um, it, it, you can defend from it. Uh, you can deploy the gun from it. Uh, it's eaten the most. I find it to be the easiest to conceal the largest gun. For me, it's the most comfortable. And I think for most people, once you figure it out and you get the right holster and gun combination and belt and all that, and you, you, you tweak it. Um, I find that most people, um, will find that it's the most comfortable, most concealable, can defend from it, deploy the gun the quickest, and uh, yeah, I I, th- I think it's the best by far position. Rank the following in order of priority for EDC: hmm. tourniquet, spare magazine, pepper spray, or fixed. Well, excuse me, and fixed blade knife. Because you're supposed to rank these hmm. in priority order. Priority. Um, I'd probably go with. Almost, I don't want to just base it solely on probability, but um, probably tourniquet would be the most um, useful, I think, in, in most situations. You're probably going to 
Eh, that's debatable. Uh, I'm going to go between tourniquet and pepper spray for number one. They're, they're close. Um, pepper spray is a good defensive, non-lethal um, uh, option. Tourniquet is highly you know, necessary if you get shot or need to help somebody else stab wounds or puncture wounds or any high, high um, you know, hemorrhaging injury. Um, then probably fixed blade because um, you can use it for other things other than self-defense. Um, and then I know this is going to upset some people, but probably on that list, spare magazine would be the last depending it, for me, because I carry a gun with a 15 round capacity. So spare magazines, probably not the most uh, useful thing, but, um, or high priority, I guess, uh, in, in my way, if you carry a gun with six rounds or something that probably changes your loadout a little bit, but for me, I probably go tourniquet and pepper spray number one and two close, then a fixed blade, then a, spare magazine yeah very good thought process brother <laughs> and i agree that if you are going with a lower capacity gun that absolutely can influence the order of these things if you had to choose between these three following n less traditional or less standard carry methods which would you choose an apparel holster of some kind. Mm -hmm. That could be like in a pocket or in a jacket or something else. Okay. B, off body carry. So in a bag or suitcase or something. Or C, ankle holster. Hmm. Ah, man. Uh, this is a hard one. Um, if I had to <laughs> choose between the three. <clears throat> And pocket pocket carry is, is a parallel holster, right? Like, um, is that? Or is I'm going to go. I I'm going to go ahead and say, say that's acceptable because okay. whether Jacob or not would yeah. have thought that or agreed with that when he interviewed me. But to me, I because I, I think a, like a pocket holster could be something that's used like in a jacket pocket or in a mm -hmm. pants pocket, that kind of thing. So I mm -hmm. I yeah, I would say yeah. Yeah, I, I think probably I, if I had to choose between those three things, I'd probably carry a smaller gun in a pocket, um, pocket holster, because it's on you, you have access to it. Um, ankle holster, it's on you, but it's really not ideal for me. Like I just, I, I, there's too many difficulties in, in concealment and wardrobe and accessibility and fighting and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, off body, you can make it work. I think there's probably very good options that you could make work in certain circumstances, but out of those three, I'd probably downsize to like a revolver type thing or a smaller um, pocket size gun. For me, it's got to be really small because I got small hands and pockets. I get it. Um, but something I could put in a holster, put in my pocket and have access to. Cool. Choose between the following. DASA or double action, single action, mm. striker fired, double action only, single action only. Hmm. Well, uh, practically, I've chosen this. I I carry a striker fired gun, so I probably would go with striker fired. Uh, however, you know, um, I think if I was gonna if I was gonna consider anything else, it'd probably be a DASA. Um, I, I'm, I love shooting 1911s. Don't get me wrong. Like anytime someone has like a high tricked out, you know, high uh, value, nice 1911, I love shooting them. And I'm always like, ah, I'd love to carry, carry this thing. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a huge fan on the external safety. Not that you can't carry it. Please don't get me wrong, but I'm personally just, um, not a huge fan of, uh, manual external safety. If you do, that's awesome, and I support you 100% and love you still. <laughs> <laughs> what is so great about Ohio? Oh, what's great about Ohio? <laughs> well, I can't – yeah, I can't keep it to under a minute, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably, you know, I moved back here from California, so – and it wasn't for the weather, so um, – <laughs> in, you know, Ohio, you'd think it's a Midwestern – 
state. So you think it'd be like super, you know, maybe conservative Bible belt type, you know? Um, but in, it, I, it, it is pretty much middle of the road. I think more middle of the road than what people probably would think, um, politically, but I think what's so best is like my family was here and all my memories as a kid. So that's, that's what drew me back ultimately. Cool. Cool. Family is important. Mm-hmm. Memories are important. Uh, let's see. One U.S. city you never want to visit. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Somebody's going to be from this city and probably, <laughs> like, hate me for now. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe Chicago. I, I, I'm an Indians fan, and the Cubs beat the Indians the last time. Wait, wait do you mean the Guardians? Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. The Guardians. Please don't cancel our show. Um, yeah, the Guardians. Um, but yeah, in yeah, I mean, just politically, it's probably not the best place for somebody who carries a firearm. And um, but uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'll go with Chicago. Let's go with that. So I. Uh since we brought it up, you, or you kind of brought it up, uh, the Cleveland guardians, mm-hmm. uh, should be like our guardian nation members, favorite baseball team. Right. And <laughs> I want to know sponsor. if like the guardians are going to be all like pro two a and stuff. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> Maybe they could be a s- official sponsor. The guardians. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Some, what is something you've changed your mind about? relative to guns and or self-defense in the last five years Mm. man there's a lot um i guess probably most like encompassing answer would be like just my uh, i guess the fundamentals of what really is important about shooting um when it comes to fundamentals like I, I don't know that like, uh, I'm trying to succinctly put this, um, how my, my view on the totality of what's important when it comes to shooting has changed a lot. I don't know if that's descriptive enough, but, um, I understand where you're coming from with that. <laughs> more specific would be more gooder, but much, much less, uh, I, I guess like m- understanding how, which, which fundamentals are more important and why we focus on all these other things and why it actually can be detrimental in the long run, instead of really applying what is important to the important fundamentals and focusing on that and getting that down and being an expert in those and not worrying so much about the periphery and letting that kind of work itself out Hmm. with, you know, proper application of the core fundamentals. What is one trainer other than yourself that everyone should take a class from? Mm, Man, I can't, I, I guess like I'll say, I can't say this, firsthand somebody I want, I would love to take a class from would be John level. Um, I think the guy is extremely intelligent. He's well-mannered. I, I enjoy his personality and his, his approach to things, um, his personality. And so, um, I, I, even though I haven't taken a class from the guy, um, just he, I, I could, re- I, I think I could recommend a class, um, to anybody and, and they probably, not hate me for the recommendation. <laughs> Random question from the Facebook comments. Mm. So this one's out of left field. Are you neighbors with Geraldo Rivera? No, but that guy does live in Cleveland and <laughs> I don't know where, but it's probably a nice neighborhood <laughs> or house. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I chuckled when I saw that one, uh, which is why I had to ask it. <clears throat> Let's see. What do you recommend? concealed carriers do when they are confronted by law enforcement in traffic stops. Mm. Just j- knowing, knowing it from both sides, from being a police officer and stopping people with, <laughs> with firearms. And on the other end, I have been stopped, you know, since I've uh, been a concealed carrier, but uh, I guess the over, the one thing that I would recommend is to remain calm and in control of your emotions, because you can't control anything else. Like if the, 
officers, right or wrong, good or bad, whatever. Um, but you can control your emotions. You can control your level of anxiety. And that goes a long way to taking control of the situation in general. Very good. Good recommendation. What is the one thing you would change about law enforcement today if you could only change one thing? <clears throat> Ooh. I I think um, law enforcement being more accepting of outside um, influences on training. I think sometimes, um, and, and I don't know if this is a California type thing, but what I experienced was more so um, training was always done by other law enforcement people. And, um, and I think that sometimes you can get an institutionalized like blindness to other things. Um, so by, you know, maybe outside, uh, accepting that more, I think would open up law enforcement as far as, uh, is expanding their training, making Mm -hmm. it more well-rounded. Very good. What is the best gun or self-defense related app on your phone? Ooh, besides the concealed carry gun tools app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one I use probably the most is right. Uh, like as of late is probably the Mantis Academy. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's on my phone, I can set it up anywhere. And I have these little targets that I've strategically kind of left in different parts of the house. So I can pop them up on the wall and, and just, uh, and just go to town. So I guess that would be what I'm using right now. So, nice. yes, <laughs> a nice plug for the concealed carry gun tools app. <laughs> but that would be the number in, one <laughs> available now in the Apple Store and Google Play Store. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, carry with round in a chamber. So, do you recommend chambered carry? With without a doubt, like without a doubt. And I understand some people aren't going to do it, uh, but I think the the ultimate goal should be to consistently carry that way and not to carry that with a round in the chamber. When you go into a dangerous neighborhood or when you perceive something, you're going to rack the slide or whatever. Um, I think that that is highly problematic and sets up all kinds of consistency issues and, and things, but yes, carry with the round in the chamber. Ideally. What about a 1911 or similar guns? For a concealed carry, um, yeah, I, I, I think that people that shoot that that not shoot them well because everybody probably could shoot a 1911 well, um, like nice ones at least. But uh, for me, I I just don't care because I'm I, I'm not a huge fan of manual external safeties. Like I said before, I think that if you're gonna carry a 1911 or single action only gun for concealed carry. You probably don't want that to be the first gun that you carry. It's just because um, I, I think that sometimes uh, having that carrying it with the hammer cocked to the rear and um, in the manual external safety and stuff, it creates some anxiety for people, especially brand new shooters. A very light trigger can kind of make you feel uneasy. And so um, probably not the first gun that you ever want to carry. But if you do and you train on it and you're happy with it, then you know, awesome. Uh, do you think 1911s are still a relevant choice? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, EDC? I, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a, you know, a striker fired only mm-hmm. mentality, but um, yeah. What about more modern 2011s? Yeah. I mean, probably more appropriate um, with, you know, if it has a rail and I, I, I mean, I think that the concept of a single action 1911 style gun is still, you know, it's still a relevant firearm and it can work flawlessly. I know that there's some, hey, they're not as reliable and that's a whole nother argument. Um, I don't necessarily believe that they're not as inherently reliable, but, um, but anything, you know, I I, I don't know. I think they're still relevant. What about revolvers? Still relevant or not? Man, I think for maybe folks that can't um, rack a slide or don't f- have the hand strength to do manipulate um, manipulate a semi-automatic, 
Um, that could potentially be a route that they could go. Um, Will I, uh, they have the hand strength to press the trigger on a yeah VAL revolver? It, and that's mm. the thing. And that's kind of the argument, like when somebody says that, right? But like, then there's always like, well, I could cock the hammer back and all this stuff. And I get it. Like, I, yeah, I, I think now with the size there, the, the, the benefit of a revolver is just the operational, how it operates rather than the size. I don't think there's any, the snub nose revolver has like, you know, and now when you get down to a capacity of six, in that size, you can get a semi-automatic with a capacity of 15 or 12 or 13 or something in the same size. So yes, um, but probably becoming more limited in application or mm. what you could, I don't know. Another interesting question from the, and a more relevant one from the Facebook comments, are you an optic or no optic guy for concealed carry? Now I am. Maybe that was one that I my position has changed. I was kind of an anti-optic guy. I don't know why. If, maybe it's because like, uh, I think, you know, I was like kind of wanting to hold on to the traditional, like if I could shoot with irons, you know, like, but um, as my eyes have changed, I've become more a believer in optics. And once I decided, hey, you know, as an instructor, I better learn how to shoot an optic if for nothing else when people come through my class, I can help them um, if they're having issues and not just be clueless as to uh, how an optic would work and, and all that. So once I started down that path, I quickly adopted it and found that it was, you know, uh, I, 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 I found it much more beneficial. So hmm. what is a non gun related podcast you subscribe to, if any? Oh, uh, one that I was listening today is called Theology Roundtable. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's more um, more get your mind kind of going uh, as far as some some topics. Uh, if you're into such theological circles, you know, like debating that or thinking about that kind of stuff. Nice. There are various news organizations and websites that uh, claim an overwhelming percentage of Americans support expanded and or universal background check legislation. What are your feelings about expanded or universal background checks? I think we've covered this a couple of times on the <laughs> podcast. Um, horrible idea. Horrible. Like probably the worst thing that could happen is... Uh, universal background checks. Um, I, I, I can't think of a anything that would severely um, chill or reduce the... I, I, I can't think of a law that would be more damaging than a federal or universal background check. It would it would be devastating to uh, to gun owners. What is one dry fire tool or product you couldn't live without? Ooh, um, probably since I've been using um, the shot recording software a lot is the uh, like the uh, laser dot trainer, the little laser mm -hmm. cartridge. I just I, I think it's a fantastic instead of you know just dry firing and and practicing. Um, you actually it's kind of combining my other favorite tool, which is a cert pistol. Um, it's kind of combining the two it doesn't reset the trigger like a cert, but it gives you like kind of a visual feedback of, of what's going on with your firearm. And, um, I just like it. It makes it so much more versatile and what you can do through dry fire with that one little device. Hmm. Cool. Uh, laser dot trainer available at readyupgear.com. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> uh, now this is a question that got missed in my attempt to group things categorically what's the most dangerous anti-gun legislation <clears throat> I'd have to go back to universal background checks I mean once that happens any other gun legislation becomes able to be that much more enforced without universal background checks they can tell you hey you can't have this gun 
but they don't know that you have it. So until you get stopped at the range for, you know, or stopped in the car or whatever, um, it, 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 it's unenforceable. Um, but once universal background checks become, or if they were to become a thing, then they just go through a list and say, Hey, you have this X, Y, Z show must you sold it. You turned it in, you destroyed it or, you know, face whatever penalty. So I, I think universal background checks is probably the scariest one. Of the various shooting skills or fundamentals, which do you think is the most important or foundational? Hmm, this goes probably back to the question of like, what has changed in my, you know, I, idea of concealed carry or defensive uh, shooting over the past five years. And it's probably just the importance of how visual shooting is and never really understood that. Um, and, and, you know, you work on a stance or a grip or a presentation or trigger grip, all that stuff is important. But if you don't understand what your sights should look like when you start that good squeeze, it's kind of, you know, it's, it, um, I, I don't know how you effectively hit what you're looking at, what you're pointing the gun at, right? Like not necessarily just sights, but how to present the gun and how to aim the gun, even without sights. That's part of like, I guess I would add into um, the um, an important fundamental. So kind of just how to aim the gun, whether it's with sights, without sights consistently and effectively and what that looks like. Hmm. Very good. <clears throat> if everyone had to carry the same gun concealed every day, what gun would that be or should that be? Glock 19, probably. I think, <laughs> I, th I mean, it's, I know it's a lazy answer. I get it. Um, probably because uh, it's, it, it has a good capacity. It's easily accessorized. Everybody makes a holster for it. Um, it fits most people's hands. It just, it's that, it's the Honda Accord of firearms. You know, it's just, it's, if you need something, you can probably, you know, if you need a firearm, it's, that's, that's probably the gun that you can shoot effectively, um, in a concealed carry context. And, um, you know, it's not going to be too small for you, not too large for your hands and stuff. So probably Glock 19. Well, what is your actual EDC gun? It used to So right now it's the Archon type B, um, but um, probably, you know, if if it weren't that, it would be going back to my to a Glock nineteen. That would be mm -hmm. probably where I go. What's one handgun you strongly suggest nobody buys for self defense? Oh man! If you guys have one, please don't hate me. <laughs> um, probably for self defense, a judge. Mm. I think that's because <laughs> so many people get it. And that's, if you want to shoot a fun, like fun, versatile load gun, awesome. But like for self-defense, probably not the best choice. But for 10 bucks shot, bro. Yeah. We just, we covered a story, right? Like several months ago about a guy who used a judge um, in self-defense or not self-defense. He actually wasn't self-defense, but, um, and that kind of came up in the news again, but many stories of people surviving 410 buckshot. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I may have responded to that same question the same way and said something to the effect of it's the one gun that, you know, it's a gun that tries to be both a handgun and a shotgun, but does neither of them very well. <laughs> so you, Greg Elephant's <laughs> take on it. You, you guys have much better articulation and my, you know, I'm, I'm the lay person. Like, I just <laughs> say something <laughs> dumb, but that's my, my feeling. What is the gun you carried 10 years ago? A Glock 27. Mm. Yeah. There yep. it is. The 40 cal. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, were you riding that 40 cal train hard or was it just more of a matter of convenience? It was law enforcement driven mostly because mm -hmm. we were, we carried 40 on duty. And so I was like, well, I have a Glock. Four, I shoot 40 on duty. I train with that. I might as well have the baby 40. 
Um, and, uh, I just went to the 27, um, because back then I still thought that like anything larger, I could never conceal. Like, and I tried considering the Glock 19 and I'd be like, Oh, I can't. And my buddies would be like, yeah, you can do it. And I'm, ah, I don't think so. I'm too small and this and that, but it was just a matter of finding the right holster, the right setup. And, and really that changed a lot, but yeah, Glock 27 wasn't so much ballistics for me. Um, it was just carrying over that that same caliber. Mm-hmm. A very logical and reasonable choice, considering uh, you know the the uh, job you were doing at the time. Yeah. What is? I'm gonna ask this two ways. What are three concealed carry holster brands that you love? Um, Filster. Tenacore and well, I have a tier one concealed that I carry. So, um, probably those three I think would. And, and what is the, you mentioned the Archon type B, what is the holster you actually use on a daily basis? Primarily? That's it. It's a tier one concealed. I don't know like the name, the specific name, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, uh, they're one of the only companies that made one for that gun. Um, but they make really good holsters and I was considering getting one of their holsters in the past. Um, and this kind of just pushed me over the edge, but I have holsters from Filser and Tenacore that, um, I use with my Glock 19, um, and love. So yeah, those would be, I think anybody who, who, who any, any three of those, I think you'd be satisfied with. Best concealed carry belt. Mm, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the EDC Beltco um, foundation belt just because it's really it's it, I've been using that not only on the range and in like regular everyday clothing, but even and I mean dressing up is relative. I understand, but like when I when I dress up to go to church and stuff. Um, I can still manage to make that belt look um, at least like modern enough that, you know, I'm, and I'm not wearing, you know, suit and tie. So for somebody wearing suit and tie, um, I find those uh, core essential belts, they look really sharp and stuff. They have a nice buckle, but, um, but as far as the, the low profileness, the, the comfort of it, the, just the, it's just non-assuming belt. It's very um, easily to, to pair with stuff. So, um, the foundation belt. Excellent choice. <laughs> Available at concealedcarry.com <laughs> forward slash foundation belt. These are not plugs. I'm not, it's just, <laughs> you know, we, we do use the, the products we, you know, we promote. So that's, um, that's one thing I wouldn't promote mm-hmm. a product and we probably wouldn't feel comfortable promoting it if we didn't use it, you know? So. Yeah. Amen to that. Your choice of, Ear protection. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, right now I, yeah, I, I, for the longest, my go-to was the Howard light, the, um, sport impact or impact sport. Um, and the, uh, the, the Roger 22s are like almost essentially the same thing. Whatever ear probe it has to be, it has to be, um, uh, you know, electronic or digital ear protection that you can hear. That's, I mean, that's super important. It's going to change the way you're shooting experience at the range, whether you're taking a class or just going on your own is it's going to make it so much better. But um, also to get the gel inserts, the soft seals that will make it so much anybody I put those soft seals on my, and I'm sure you have too. like given it say, Hey, try these. And anybody who puts them on, they're like, Oh my goodness. Like it's automatic. It's like laying in a massage chair, you know, it's like, Oh, this is great. So mm-hmm. yeah. Electronic hearing protection, soft seals, uh, for the ear cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, I won't run anything other than, you know, anything that doesn't have those silicone soft seal gel ear cups, uh, it, for a long time, like when people would, I know I'm, this is supposed to be about you, but I was just thinking about it. A long time, people would recommend some of the like the really high end Peltors or Comtac, uh, you know, earmuffs. And one of the reasons people really liked them is that they came with those soft silicone gel cups. 
and now they're really available for all kinds of ear pro aftermarket. And so, um, gives you like the feel of like $300 <laughs> ear pro, but you don't have to spend $300 for yeah. quality ear pro. Anyway, also available at readyupgear.com. <laughs> <laughs> Your go-to safety glasses. I have SS. I have actually I have two pairs of SSP eyewear. I think I'm trying to think of the actual brand, or like I think they're like Shalen uh, style or something, or that's the model of them. Just a, they have a three different lenses. I think like a dark, a clear, and a yellow, and they're really easy to swap out, and they're. They're clear. They they don't really, I haven't scratched them and I'm really bad with glasses, scratching them and stuff. They seem to be holding up really well without scratching. Um, I wear one like all the time as sunglasses. And then I have one that's set up with yellow lenses that I can swap out really easily. But mm-hmm. yeah, then they're not super expensive, you know. Is that the Methow kit? You like? There's a Methow kit or- that has like a bunch of different like other colors too, but there's a Shaling or Shalin um, kit that has, I think only three lenses. It's a three lens and it's substantially cheaper. Uh-huh. Maybe I want to say like 50 or $40 or something. I'm trying to find them on their website so I can it's give like the exact C H O O C H E L A N. Yeah. Shalen. Shalen. I don't know. Shalen. Kalen. Or C H E L A N. Uh, A S T kit. Okay. The Shalin AST kit. I see it here. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, relatively low cost, but uh, quality stuff. I've used and worn those as well. And you can so, use the, uh, I th- they will accept the inserts, like the um, inserts that you can get a prescription for a prescription lens. They pop in there. And mm-hmm. so you can do that. Preferred handheld flashlight. Uh, I have a, I carry the Surefire Stiletto um, in my pocket for like a, uh, a handheld light. It's, it's comfortable. It's kind of like an oval shape, um, has a tail cap and a, you know, a, a switch so you can return it on. It has a couple different brightness levels, but, uh, it's USB charge. I, I like it. Surefire is good. So. Weapon mount of light on a CCW gun? Yes, no? Sure. I I don't, I mean, probably not the high probability likelihood that you're going to need it. Um, but if you can carry it and it doesn't, you know, make it too bulky for you, which it doesn't really add much. Um, but I know for some people, you know, every little ounce and every little inch or space, um, especially if you're smaller, um, can, can make a difference, but if you can add it, it's, it, I don't see how it would necessarily hurt you. Um, other than the fact, if you don't know how to use it, you put it on there and you're using it to search under your, you know, your seat because you dropped your keys under there or mm-hmm. something like that could be detrimental. But as far as ta- like actual putting it on there, um, it, it I mean, it, provides a pretty nice counterweight to the muzzle so that, I mean, you know, it's not a lot, but, um, so I, I think if you want to add it and you want to practice with it and train with it, um, great. If you just want to add it because it looks cool, probably not the, not the thing to do. Um, yeah, why not? How about a WML or weapon mounted light on a home defense gun? Uh, yeah. I mean, same thing. It's probably less, um, an issue with concealment and stuff like that, obviously. Right. Um, but again, like the, my, my only tenant, my only fear of weapon mounted lights is somebody who puts it on the gun and doesn't realize that it's not a flashlight. You know what I mean? And so that's the only thing that's really the, the biggest thing that I would say, um, if it causes you to not have a handheld light or not, you know, put on overhead lights because you're like, okay, I'm going to sneak around and I have this weapon on a light that's then just train with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Awesome. What about laser aiming devices on defensive handguns? Good, bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, probably in the, in the, on the hierarchy of things to put on your gun or to pr- purchase or spend your money on, 
on my hierarchy, that's way down the, uh, on the list. Um, it probably, they can be effective in like maybe uh, situations where you're maybe not able to use sites, but you're like in a compromised position where you, you kind of want to have some understanding of where the muzzle's pointed. You can overcome those things, um, through training and, and, and stuff. Um, it's just kind of the same thing with the light, but to a more degree, like if you're getting the laser, so you don't because you think, well, I might not have to aim. And at least if I put this laser on there, it, it's, that's the wrong reason to have it. And I, I just don't think that there's a lot of application for them in, in, for most people, um, in my estimation, um, certainly there are situations that it, they, they might work, um, but I think that the, the the application probably isn't as great as what people think. You consider it to be a high capacity magazine, if at all. Um, I, <laughs> I guess something that has more capacity than what you're comparing it to. <laughs> I don't know. Like if I had a 15 round magazine and somebody had like a mag that holds 18, that's higher, com- high capacity compared to mine. Um, as well, how, far about as this? It- how about this? What do you consider to be the minimum number of rounds your defensive gun should hold? I would say eight. I think eight is um, a, a safe. I, I think anything under eight, um, you're, you're probably if you run through f- some drills, if you actually contextualize your training, and it, you're going to see how fast five, six rounds go through. And if you're, you know, you might say, "Hey, it only takes three or four rounds to stop, mo- you know, an attacker." And on my gun carries six, so I'm good. I mean, that's one attacker that's not missing. That's, you know, um, it doesn't relieve you much margin for error. So I'd say eight is is probably the minimum. Um, and it's very doable nowadays with, with all the guns that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you consider to be the minimum loadout you should leave the house with? <clears throat> as far as everything you're carrying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, w- I mean, you need, you, you should have a phone, uh, some sort of communication. You should have a light, a handheld light at the very minimum. Um, your firearm, of course. Um whether or not you carry medical, you should seriously consider it. Um, and if you decide not to carry it, it shouldn't be because it, it should be a reason like, Hey, I don't have enough space and I've chose to carry this instead of that. But medical gear should be up there. Um, I, I think at the very minimum, you should have communication, uh, a light and, and your firearm. And then, Next would be some sort of less lethal um, or medical gear and or medical gear. Um, yeah. Do you carry even within your home? For the most part, yes. Um, I carry, if I'm out and about during the day and I come home, my gun normally stays on me for the remainder of the day, unless I'm specifically going to do something. Um you know, play with my daughter or, um, you know, go shower or whatever. It's getting late at night. I, I put my gun in my quick access safe. Um, it's not actually something that I consciously determined to do. Like, um, it's more just a routine, I guess that I, I feel comfortable and, you know, I don't live in a real relatively dangerous area. Um, kind of live out in the country a little bit ish, so, um, but yeah, and I, I think everybody has to make that determination themselves on, um, if they carry in their home or not, but it certainly should be something to consider, even if you don't live in, you know, um, Compton or something. I don't even know if Compton's still dangerous or not. <laughs> I don't know. What are, th- or who are three firearm instructors that have been influential to you as a shooter? Hmm. Well, <laughs> or, or I could say influential to you as an instructor. I guess that could, doesn't have to be as yeah. a shooter. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, and this isn't any sort of, you know, uh, trying to, 
you know me, you know my heart, and you know what's. Uh, I, I don't have to give you adulation, but you have our conversations throughout the history of the podcast, offline, at classes, teaching with you, alongside of you and stuff. You've been very influential in um, in my uh, growth as 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 a shooter, um, as an instructor as well. So I, I credit you um, for a lot a lot of that. Um, you're very intellectual and uh, I appreciate that. Um, I think John Lovell, again, I'll go back. He, he, I, I, I think I don't agree. And, and this is the thing. I don't agree with everybody all the time, time on every single thing, but, um, the demeanor, uh, of John Lovell, um, is in your demeanor as well, but, uh, demeanor, John Lovell, not, you know, uh, is, is great. He, he's, uh, intelligent. He's well-founded in his, his opinions and things and, um, and very takes in a lot of consideration. And I guess the other one would be Scott Chidlinski, um, having, you know, when I know we interviewed him, a, not, not before he was famous, but like, you know, early on when, when, um, he probably wasn't as well known as he is now. And I think at that time he, he really opened my eyes up to a lot of the red dot and, uh, um, just, fundamental stuff in, in a, in a, in a way that was like, Hmm, like I haven't heard it that way before. So, um, you, John Lovell and Scott Jablinski probably, um, would be the top three that come to mind. Yeah. I appreciate the kind words, brother. Yeah. Yeah. All true. <laughs> what is it, do you have a favorite drill to run at the range? Uh, I like, I like, Hmm. This is going to sound like pretty lame, but I'll give you th- three drills that I think are are really, I, I like, I like the dot torture drill. I, you know, when ammunition prices weren't so high and you'd run through a box of ammo and didn't like tear out part of your heart to do it. <laughs> um, um, I think it, it it's a fantastic all around drill warm up, um, you know, exposes a lot of stuff. So I think that's a good drill. I like, um, the build drill. I think it balances a good, um, I think it's a good balance of understanding, managing recoil, um, being able to control the gun and get multiple shots and, and, um, and also works on, you know, that, that, um, draw to first shot, which I also like doing. Um, I like the, how the draw to first shot can fundamentally work on or work separate out your draw, but I like doing the build drill along with it because sometimes we can get just so focused on that first shot and then we disengage and, you know, it's like, okay, I got it in the books. I got a good, good run, but that's not how we actually perform. And I think the build drill is actually keeps you engaged in the drill and, um, managing the recall, not just getting that first shot. So those three, I think I know that you asked for one, but I like them all. So cool. down to our last five questions. Okay. What is something related to concealed carry that you are embarrassed to admit you did? Probably. Well, I kind of cringe when I look back and I, I look at like, uh, that I carried the 27 for so long. And I, you know, um, there's a lot, there's a lot that I look back in reviews and videos and stuff. And I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that, but mm-hmm. probably just the mindset of like, um, that I couldn't carry a larger gun. And that's probably, mm-hmm. that's one thing that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the, what do you think, what do you feel is the biggest mistake people make? And I'm leaving that pretty open-ended. So mm. about shooting, firearms, concealed carry, you name it. Uh, Mindset, whatever. Yeah, I, I think not having an unrealistic expectation or not understanding their abilities, whether you're a good shooter, or not so great of a shooter, um, probably not like um, understanding what you're capable of doing makes you incapable of coming up with a reasonable response under stress. Like, you know, we can't plan for everything, but I think if we understand what am I, what are my capabilities, then I can, I can come up with a pretty realistic response. Right. 
But if I don't, if I think I'm John Wick and I'm going to do a flip and die behind this table and come up and shoot, like I can't come up with a realistic mm-hmm. response to the guy that, you know, has a hostage or pulls a firearm or a knife or whatever. So, yeah. What is one book every gun owner should read? Mm. Uh, I think, I think the law of self-defense is a really practical book that if you're going to carry a gun, you should understand self-defense, the legal aspect of using force defensively. It's, it's very important and it's not as simple as, you know, well, I'll just tell him I was fearful of my life, you know, like that's <laughs> that, if that was all that was necessary, you know, you wouldn't have like a 400 page book. <laughs> so what other resources are out there that you like for gun or concealed carry info? Mm, wow. Oh man. When I'm, when I'm looking for things to write on or learn, um, I just, I really take in, it's hard. I take in a, a lot of stuff from a lot of different, even, it, it, not even necessarily like name, like recognized names. I just look at like a lot of information um, and just take it all in and kind of reflect on it and kind of chew on it and, and figure out what makes sense, even if it's coming from somebody who isn't recognizable and take in what the person who's well-respected and, and see, does that make sense as well? And just kind of, I, I think as I've progressed more and more with writing content and teaching that it's more and more important that I critically look at the information that I'm, I'm taking in and, and, and regardless of the the source. So I can't like, I, I don't know. I can't, I, I like John Lovell's warrior poet society uh, page. He, he, you know, if I, I was going to, if I was going to, th- if somebody said, Hey, what do you think about, th- um, you know, a, a, a YouTube channel or something that I could watch to get a well-rounded look um, that I think I would direct somebody there. Awesome. Well, let's see. No. Uh, what is one thing you want to tell every concealed carrier in America? Um, probably like concealed carry is whether you're brand new or more advanced, like it's, and you realize this, I think at different points, but concealed carry is far. It's so much more than carrying a gun. Like it, the gun is almost like a a 10th of what concealed carry is. It's more of a mindset. It's more of a, of a purposeful way to live your life. And, and, um, rather than something that you carry an object that you carry, I guess. Awesome, brother. That brings us to conclusion of our wow. rapid fire questions with Matthew I Barrister. It. I made it. You survived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I thought you did a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you turned the heat on, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode today uh, featuring our producer, Matthew Marister, and uh, hearing his responses to these 40 plus actually questions with uh, the extras I threw in there from listeners <laughs> today. Before we let you go, though, we do need to announce our weekly podcast giveaway winner. Guys, if, you, if, if you're fairly new to the podcast, once a week we give away a prize to a lucky winner. Uh, those that sign up on a weekly basis at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize have, have the opportunity, the chance to win a free gift. All right. This week, we're giving away a free copy of the updated version of the Legal Boundaries by State book, which is a great uh, state-by-state legal resource for concealed carry and firearm-related carry and and somewhat self-defense law to some degree. So let's focus on the defensive stuff. That's that. That's really, you know, where you should check out Andrew Branca's book, like Matthew talked about. Uh, And then also, so this This week, we're giving away the Legal Boundaries by State book. Next week's giveaway, we're giving away a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear, which is Matthew's eyewear of choice. (laughs) Uh, That'll go to, that's like straight up $50 cash. You'd use it and redeem it, uh, uh, SSPiWear.com. So 
really cool uh, prize for next week as well. So who's our lucky winner of the Legal Boundaries by State book this week? Lucky winner is Monica. Monica with the last name that starts with R. Awesome. Congratulations, Monica R. 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 Got to say that with a patch over the eye. Very Halloween appropriate. Cool. Awesome. Guys, don't forget to give or to sign up for our weekly giveaway again at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And again, finally, a shout out to today's episode sponsors, the Mountain Man Medical uh, base camp and tracker trauma kits, very appropriate for outdoors people, especially during this hunting season. Go check them out at uh, mountainmanmedical.com forward slash outdoors. And also our range tech Bluetooth shot timer can be found at rangetechtimer.com. My shot timer of choice. So guys, with that, it's time to let you go. Thanks for being a part of this episode with us today. And we wish you the best until next time. And until then, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.